Try Cora's cult favorite tampons today, without joining a cult. Cora's number one selling 100% organic cotton tampons are made without pesticides, chlorine, or rayon. Whether it's a definitely flowing super plus day or a barely there light day, you can rest or rally easy knowing Cora's got you covered. Plus, with every purchase, Cora donates period products to people in need. Find Cora nationwide at Target, CVS, and online at cora.life. Hey everybody, Patrick Con here and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. We had a big fight last night. That's what we have to talk about today. I'm here with my dude, Arispina, CompuBox operator. It's important in a moment here and also just a fellow fight fanatic like myself. Aris, what is up, bro? How you doing? Good, man. Still riding that high from last night, even though it wasn't the fight that everybody, excuse me, was um, really hoping for in terms of excitement, but I think we finally closed the book on this trilogy. Both guys seem like, you know, they finally were content with everything. And um, yeah, you know, all in all, it was a good night. And yeah, man, I worked the fight last night. So there's that. <laughs> That's true. You know, all those, all the, well, I would, I was going to say all those numbers you see, but they actually didn't show the numbers up on the screen a whole lot, which sometimes can be good because it's not as distracting when there's as much going on during the fight. But they were talking about the numbers. They did mention the numbers a few times, which is great because you were doing those numbers, dude. And exactly. uh, yeah, man, it's like you were saying, it's just the atmosphere of a Canelo fight these days is kind of like a De La Hoya fight from yesteryear. Not quite a Mayweather fight, but pretty close. I mean, you know, this this era's version of that, if you, as it were, you know, so pretty cool. Canelo, you know, we've talked about it before, man. There's differences between being a really popular fighter and being a superstar. And Canelo is like a global superstar. He's just, he's known by everybody. And even like common fans, you mentioned the name Canelo, most of the time they've heard of him. Like he's just one of those guys. So Triple G is, is um, another one too, man. Like I wouldn't, you know, he's not on the level of Canelo, but he's over the years, he, his popularity and the sponsorships he's had, the, you know, the uh, exposure he's had and everything like that over the years too has made him very very popular so yeah man you know when they finally got to fight these were huge events and even though triple g has been inactive over the past few years and he's clearly on the back end and um canelo was coming off a loss this was still considered a big fight because there was a lot of unfinished business with this one you know first fight a lot of people thought triple g won the second fight was still really close itself and didn't really um leave any conclusive answers so we needed this one when we finally yeah got dude it's uh Golovkin's still a very big name. Um, yeah. he they did a really good job uh, at HBO and his promotion, his promotional company management did a really good job of pushing his name out there for a handful of years enough so that even casual fans, not not everybody knows even Golovkin, but they know Triple G. Like you know, it was a of course it's just easy. Yeah, 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 yeah dude. It, they did a really good job marketing that, and so he's still a big name. Um, and I thought that he overall put in a fairly admirable, I would say, effort uh, last night because early on it sure looked like Canelo was about to run away with the fight, if not get some sort of like, you know, late round stoppage or something like that. He, you know, Golovkin just didn't look good. He couldn't catch up. And then finally, as Canelo started to slow down, Golovkin jumped into another gear. Uh, it obviously was not enough to win the fight, but it was enough 
to ensure that he didn't lose more badly, basically. Um, and he definitely kept it competitive with Canelo in the second half of the fight. It was just that the first half of the fight, there was so little, you know, it was, it was so, so little and he looked so slow. But um, yeah, for to be able to come back against Canelo and withstand some of the shots he was getting hit with, dude, he took like 30 shots to the hip, man. <laughs> like really hard hit shots to the hip. So <clears throat> um, I was counting Golovkin last night. So like the beginning of the fight, like you said, Pat, you know, each, each fight, if you really think about it, uh, Golovkin took a little, took a little bit of time to get on track. And um, it was like in the first fight, you know, it was after like the first three or four rounds, then he started kicking into another gear. And that's when we started, you know, kicking Canelo's ass, so to speak. Uh, second fight took a few, took a couple of rounds longer, but same thing. Once he kicked into another gear, it, um, the fight became really competitive and obviously really close and whatever. But this fight, for the first eight rounds, man, you know, I'm counting Golovkin and the guy that I counted back in the 2010s when he made, you know, when he first got, got an HBO, like what was it? He made his debut around 2012 or so and just started wrecking guys left and right, and everybody started avoiding him, was clearly not the same fighter anymore. You know, the guy that I remember who was a dedicated body puncher. Did you do the punch zone on him? Yes, I did punch zone and copy box for him, yeah. Um, I worked the for copy box. I did Curtis Stevens and um, uh, Daniel Gill. And for punch zone, sheesh, probably every other fight you can imagine for him <laughs> on HBO. Yeah, um, totally. So, cause I literally, man, like I was almost every Saturday night with the exception of a very few were spent at either HBO studios or on the road. Good times. But back to the fight, um, you know, it, it took a while, man. Golovkin, the only thing is like he was, he was throwing more than Canelo because Canelo still is very, you know, um, is a very moderate puncher and doesn't really throw a lot. He's very, he wait, you know, he, he obviously, like, you know, he flows in flurries sometimes and, like, he can throw, like, a little bar- burst of punches, but at the same time, obviously, he's just waiting and just, like, piecing everything together and just waiting for the perfect plan of attack. And when he does it, like, with his uppercuts, hooks, everything like that. So Golovkin was letting him dictate the pace, though, and especially landing the more eye-catching punches because the main punch Golovkin was throwing was just his jab. He's always had a de- very dedicated jab and always a very good one, but you know, the rest of it where like the jab would work would be the base off of his combinations that he would inevitably throw. He gets you on the ropes. He start throwing that right hand hooks, other stuff. He still wasn't doing that. Everything was just going on the jab. His body attack was non-existent and he was letting Canelo dictate the pace and let and land in the more eye catching punches to build a sizable lead. His face was getting marked up and, you know, by everybody, especially on the timeline and everything else. He was looking every bit as 40 years. And, you know, there was suspicion that Canelo, if he really steps up, he might be able to stop him, whatever. But, um, <coughs> holy shit. <coughs> yeah, we both had too much fun last night, dude. We were yelling or something because we're both all, or yeah, there's some other reason. My Nobody knows. <laughs> but, you know, there was a noticeable turn, though, by around round eight, round nine, especially round nine. That's when Triple G finally started kicking into another gear. And you're wondering, what took you so long? Because he was just fighting almost in the days earlier, you know? I'm sure you agree with that. And <laughs> Yeah. But once he kicked into another gear and Canelo noticeably slowed down, um, in three out of the four, in the 9, 10, 11, and 12, um, Triple G outlanded Canelo in 9, 10, and 11. And Canelo outlanded Triple G by one punch in the 12th round. 
So I'm not saying base this whole thing on copy box numbers or whatever like that, but I'm just giving you an idea that like the fight did change a little bit in the late in the late part of the fight. Yeah. And if you think this was a complete light wash, it really wasn't like, I mean, it was a close enough fight where it was, I don't think it was 115, 113, but 116, 112 is definitely in the ballpark and I have no problem with that, you know? Yeah. And if you want to give like a swing round in one of those parts, then I guess you would go to 115, 113 because that's how one of those judges ended up that way. But regardless, right. this was the most definitive fight and hopefully it just ended everything. Yeah, I, I think that... Um... From my perspective, it definitely looked like early on Golovkin was like, it's tough to know whether or not he was waiting because he's in general and he has a history of being a slow starter, uh, not going, you know, not hard charging in the early rounds. And so it's kind of tough to know, was it him kind of biding his time and seeing if Canelo was going to get tired or was it him unable to pull the trigger? And it seemed like it was the latter. It seemed like he was really having difficulty pulling the trigger on the openings that were there because they were the same openings that were there in the first and second fight for the most part. Um, but he clearly was not jabbing as much. Like, for instance, in the first fight, I think the first fight, like the difference between how Golovkin fought in the first fight in which he was probably most effective and most people felt he won. I thought he won that first fight, not like going away, but... I thought he won firmly, but closely. And the big difference between last night and that first fight is Golovkin's jab. He was throwing a really dedicated jab in the first fight. He uh, That's the kind of thing where a fighter like Canelo, you mentioned earlier, he doesn't throw a lot of punches. Um, and that's just his style. But at the same time, I think that people get like, and I swear I'll bring this full circle in a second, but people get confused when they watch Canelo and they go like, what is he getting tired at? He's not even like throwing punches, but the way that he fights, he's not just kind of like, you know, relaxed Jersey Joe Walcott in there, dude, he's fucking coiled. Like he's ready to go at any moment And just even having that kind of stance takes, takes up your energy. It soaks up your energy. And so using that kind of like fast twitch response, whatever you want to call it to counter and to open up and be explosive, just even being in there and on the ready takes your energy. And so by the time it's nine, 10, you know, round 11 or whatever, it's tough for him to get those openings. And he starts relying a little bit more on like brute force and shit like that. Canelo that is. And so, and that being said, like I was saying, Golovkin, not throwing nearly as much punches, but in the first fight, he was using his jab to make sure that Canelo couldn't explode, that he mm-hmm. couldn't open up, that every time he tried to give that counter, like one thing Canelo was doing like all throughout the first half of the uh, the fight last night was dipping and then going with the hook up top, dipping hook up top. And, and Golovkin just couldn't get away from it. For some reason, he was doing the same thing every time where he was fading back like this and then swiveling then a pull in his his rear leg back and then <clears throat> canelo was just stepping with him and hooking every time and he was just like bah! you know his head was taking it every single time and that was one of the reasons why he's getting all marked up on that right side of his face and oh. so in any case uh he was not able to use his jab to disrupt he wasn't able to use his jab to throw off uh, canelo's rhythm canelo's very much a rhythm and kind of timing fighter and when you can't disrupt that, it's going to it's gonna be a long night. And it sure looked like Golovkin was going to have a long night last night. It was just that, obviously, the mixture of Golovkin, I guess, becoming 
uncorked, getting going, whatever. And then Canelo slowing down meant that Golovkin had an opportunity. But I think that's where the age enters in. He wasn't able to seize the opportunity, not like he would have five, six years ago. It's totally, man. And there was flashes of like, you know, earlier Golovkin too. Uh, I don't remember what round it was, but I'm sure you know this, where he threw one of his, I would call it one of his signature shots where he throws it over the top. Like, you know, and that's when he was like getting going a little bit. He had Canelo on. Yeah, that's what he got Rubio with. Yeah, exactly. And he was landing at that point. Like when you can see he was getting in the rhythm, like it was probably around round 10 or so, but he had Canelo on the ropes and he threw a, like a, finally started throwing some flurries. And as he threw one, you know, a couple of them were like the over the top shots and they were landing. And I, I remember smiling. I'm like, oh shit. Like, you know, he's feeling himself again. I like this, but like, it's, it's because he's older and this fight took place so much. The, this finally, this third fight took place so much longer than when it need, when it should have taken place that same thing like you know by the time he finally started getting into a groove it was too little too late you know yeah so it seems like we pretty much saw the saw the fight identically and you know in the kind of nine three eight four kind of range uh for the most part and we watched the same kind of fight so i guess <clears throat> it does have to be asked it does have to be discussed at some point after the fight, Canelo, like, you know, almost like the first words out of his mouth was like, I'm a fucking warrior. I'm going to do this shit. And I'm not talking it down because fighting with a with a hurt left hand. Uh, yeah, that's right. You say he has to get surgery, right? Which I believe also because actually I was, for whatever reason, I was Sherlock Holmesing this shit. And after the fight, there were some uh, photos he posted on social media and he's going like this. And then you could see that his left hand, he's not clenching. Like he's not making a fist with his left hand. It looks like it hurts. So anyway, whatever. I'm not making excuses for him or against him. I don't really care. It's up to him. But um, it does kind of seem as though I do have to take what he's saying with a grain of salt. Because here we are in 2022. Mm -hmm. And it's taken until 2022, which sounds ludicrous because people were making jokes about it taking into the 2020s back in like 2015 to fight Golovkin or to finish up, you know, whatever. And it's taken until 2022 to get a definitive victory over him when he's clearly passed his best. I mean, was that a strategy? Was that on purpose, Eris? To a degree. Remember in the last show, in the last time we were previewing this fight, we talked about it a little bit. I mean, Canelo definitely, out of spite, didn't give him an immediate fight after this. Because yeah, he was, at least the, out of spite, for sure. Sure. Like, I'm in the driver's seat. I'm the A-side. You want to talk shit and, like, accuse me of X, Y, and Z then I'm going to, you know, punish you and deny you a, a shot at me. And he did that for a while until finally this deal that was set up by DAZN and everything, he was like, all right, I'll just take it. But he also knew, I mean, also too, it was strategy to a degree because I think he knew the longer he made a wait, the, you know, the more the Golovkin would be deteriorating because there was a slight noticeable difference between their first fight and second fight and how he's performing and how each fight, how he was, you know, how he was decelerating a little bit. So... Yeah, I think it was, you know, out of spite and strategies. But by the time he finally got it, he was able, you know, obviously their careers are going in, you know, different trajectories right now. Like Canelo is still at the top of his game. Golovkin, not to say he's not he's not still at the top. He's still obviously an elite fighter. But the days of him being, you know, the destroyer that we knew are long gone. So, yeah, it, it was probably just a little bit of both, I think. You know, they they mentioned it last night on the broadcast 
I think they even mentioned it during the introductions about how he had like 350 amateur fights or something, you know. Tons. Yeah, he's that adds that up, long. dude. I mean, also, too, when you come from like the, the countries out there where they do have long decorated amateur careers that sometimes don't even turn pro. Um, <clears throat> but when you look at their amateur career, that's like the length of like three or pro careers, you know. And then he turns pro. Um, like we said, too, man, out in the hinterlands being a buck. Um, ducked and dodged by everybody and everyone while he was the WBA regular champion finally gets the exposure on HBO, which was a decade ago. And from there just starts, you know, a demolition job on the middleweight division still can't get the elite fight that he's craving though. You know, at one point the money guy would have been Chavez jr, which is hysterical. Um, in retrospect, Sergio Martinez. For a minute there, it looked like they're about to try to make that fight. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's do that. It'd be fun. Yeah, you know, they would would definitely go into it. I know that they sparred at one point or another. And there was talk about it, definitely. And, you know, Golovkin just would have given him some work, dude. Oh, my God. He would have been daylights out of him. But, I mean, at that point, I don't think Chavez had been completely exposed. He was still known as Mr. Durability. Yeah. So, I think there was some, um, some questions. So, anyways... But there was that one. Um, there was, you know, Sergio Martinez, who clearly didn't want any piece of him. Miguel Cotto, who clear, who went out of his way to say if he wants the belt, he can take it. I don't want anything to do with him at all. And then Alvarez, who also made him wait for a while mm-hmm. before he finally did that dramatic, you're next, my friend, bullshit. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah. dun. Really? You, my friend, you are next. Yeah, like, all right, Hulk Hogan. You fight know, him, bro. Out, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just fight him. Nah, yeah, it's, uh, dude, you know what? It, re- it sucks. You do have to, on some level, feel kind of bad for Golovkin. I, I've, I said on the preview, I did think that he got a little too out there with his trash talk and started maybe needling a little too much mm-hmm. and not realizing who he was doing it at and that Canelo would be petty about it. Um, I mean, you kind of have to assume somebody will be if they hold that much power over you in this in this situation. But I'm not saying it's right. Uh, but like, like I said, you do kind of have to, I think, fall feel a little bit bad for Golovkin because of those circumstances, because he did deserve a shot at the real middleweight title, you know, the lineal middleweight title earlier than he got it. And you at least I get the feeling watching the fight last night and then just seeing how the tr- how the trilogy played out you do get the feeling that 2015, 2016 era, you know, Golovkin, he might've defeated Canelo. And the only real saving grace, which is not even really a saving grace, because you can't give Golovkin credit for those fights. He didn't fight those fights. Like you'd like to, because you'd say, yeah, he probably just smashed the shit out of of Martinez. He probably would have just like, you know, put Cotto in a small box and then kicked him down a hill. Of course. But I mean, yeah, like you can't give him credit for those fights. He didn't fight him. The only saving grace here, and it's not that much of a saving grace, is that that also goes against those fighters. That also goes against Martinez and Cotto that they were like, fuck no, and ran the other way when presented the opportunity, not only to fight him, but to fight him for good money. So it's like, you know, there's not really much of an excuse for that type of shit. And that counts against them too. It's just that it sucks for, uh, for Golovkin. Because he's obviously going to go down in terms of greatness below Canelo. Um, I mean, and I guess the other portion of this is what Golovkin was saying after the fight. And then he says, guys, guys, I still have three belts. 
in middleweight guys it's true that's right <laughs> which is true you know he's still if he can make 160 pounds comfortably he's a he's i i don't see really any middleweights right now that are you know just gonna come by and pick him off i don't anyway middleweight, right what's that um charlo is at middleweight correct well and when i say that i mean like a, a fight that's likely to happen because that doesn't really see I well, know, but well, here's the thing. This is what I want to bring up really quick: is that what well, the aftermath of this fight? Um, Golovkin now is, you know, has said recently, and he said it more than once. He's a free agent. He's done with. That's a good point. I I forgot yeah, about I, that I, until the words left my mouth, and I was like, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> but like he's he's mentioned that now that he's um he's a free agent and he doesn't have any obligations to them. So yeah, DAZN got their third fight with Canelo that they coveted from the very beginning. And now that he's a free agent, well, I think he's going to try to, you know, take in the opportunity to see what offers he's going to get, as he deserves. And, um, and yeah. And I'd love that fight. I'm not trying to poo-poo that fight at all. Like, oh, you know, I just, oh, I'm yeah, sure I totally forgot about the free agent thing. I guarantee you PBC will give him a very sizzable and uh, lucrative offer if he would go over there to fight um, uh, Charlo for that one. And I'm all for that because that fight would be awesome. You know, yeah, Charlo has just enough. Like he, he's just inconsistent Jamal, enough. Right. I always get them to. Uh, What's that? Jamal. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. He's just inconsistent enough. Excuse me, offensively, that I think that there are opportunities that Golovkin could lean in and take. But mm-hmm. and on top of that, just like in this fight, just in, like in the fight last night, you give Golovkin the opportunity to land punches, and it's like you know, that's yeah. it's just not good. You can't sit around. Uh, and I think that Canelo had gotten kind of acclimated maybe to 168 pounds a little bit, perhaps sparred with some bigger fighters, whatever, oh. that he just wasn't daunted. You know, he wasn't as worried about Golovkin's power last night as he was in the first two fights. But, <clears throat> you know, yeah, I, I, and that's nothing against Charlo at all. It's just that I think that it's it's probably a more a slightly more winnable fight for Golovkin. However, like we also talked about in the preview, dude, going up and then back down and wait when you're older, especially true dude that can Chris bird your ass, you know, can Roy Jones. you? I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say he's going down to 175. That is that, that, yeah, that, that was pretty a steep thing that the both guys did, but good point at being 40 years old. Yeah. Obviously that was dramatic, but still, that was very, oh my God. Oh my God. That was such an awful idea. Chris, why bro? I'll never forget watching that live too, man. Because remember all the hoopla around it, like how skinny he looked, how good he looked. At, and then Sean I mean, George was like, everyone was like, oh, okay, I guess Sean George is real good. And it was like, people, no, Chris Bird was just. were like getting hyped. Because I remember in the pre-fight for that fight, um, Chris Bird's wife, what was her name? Was Tracy. It Tracy. Was it Tracy? Yeah, I think Pretty so. sure it's Tracy Bird, yeah. Tracy Bird was his sister too. So I don't know. <clears> Anyways. Um, but they 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 were being interviewed and he was like, oh yeah, you know, Roy Jones was like saw me and Roy was like, oh my god, I'm like yeah, let's make the fight. Like he was all hyped because he lost the. It was almost like the Ali thing, you know, the Mirage when Ali fought Larry Holmes and you look good, but clearly you just and oh that was brutal to watch because Sean George beat the brakes off. But, yeah, yeah, he just had no legs, dude. Just totally. awful. And when Roy moved to heavyweight, fought John Ruiz, probably could have stood there. And beat Evander Holyfield for a very lucrative payday if he wanted to, or some other heavyweight around that time. And instead, decided to go back to light heavyweight and get bludgeoned by Antonio Tarver. I mean, you know. So, yeah. It, yeah, he he allowed himself to get trolled into that fight. Unfortunately, Tarver just kept showing up. 
I gotta give him credit though. He did the first fight in the first fight. Roy somehow won it. Look, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, Roy was like, you know, he like pulled that out. Like he was getting beaten up, and then it was, I think, the last two rounds. He like kind of just sacked up and was like, "Fuck it, let's go," and then fought his way out of it and somehow won. But like, you know, and then we know what happened from there. You can't do that. And also, too, I think the other example, Chad Dawson. That's one that you don't get talked about enough. Yeah, also his own fault. Yes. When you move down to fight Andre Ward at one sixty, he called Ward out at at one sixty eight, and Ward was like, "Okay." And then everyone yeah, totally. was all mad at Andre Ward, and it was like, "He said it. He offered. What do you want me to do?" You know? Yeah, Ward beat the shit out of him. <laughs> oh, I was I was sure that Chad was going to do well in that fight too. I, don't know. I, I, was like, Dawson, I was like actually pretty hyped about that one, man. And Ward just beat daylight, oh, dude. Out of him. I wasn't yeah. I certainly hope that doesn't happen to Golovkin because here's the thing: I guarantee you, all the middleweights that were watching this tonight were probably crossing their fingers and crossing their toes, hoping that Golovkin didn't get knocked the fuck out so that he would like lose at least a very competitive decision that he would say exactly what he said last night. Hey guys, I still have three belts. I'll be back at middleweight because Charlo, a host of other middleweights still (laughs) see Golovkin as a massive payday, which he would be and a name that they could put on their ledger as a legend, which he would be because he's, you know, older and they see him as a, as a, you know, a winnable fight now. So a lot of those guys will watch and they're like, yo, yo, even if he loses, please don't lose too bad. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Everything's good. Everything's good. You know? And he's a free agent. Shit. We gravy. So yep. I might have to I might have to revise my statement a little bit because yeah, I guess now that thinking about the free agent thing, Charlo does make sense because I think PBC probably would. Uh I, I mean, I think yeah, I think I've they've shown that they're willing to, you know, like they're willing to spend money to make money, as it were. You know, like they'll. I mean, they'll put they've a already sent Golovkin an offer before. This wouldn't be their first time dealing with them. Well, and now there won't be any sort of attachment to DAZN or whomever exactly. or HBO. Yep. Well, and and that's been what's happened in a number of diff- on a number of different occasions where I know on the surface a lot of people want to argue about like oh so and so is ducking so and so, but what happens is it's just contracts, dude. It's fucking contracts. When you're oh. contra- contractually obligated to to fight on this network and this network only, or this promotional company only, and these are the networks that they handle. But you, somebody else who's across the whatever is on something, something, and they also have an exclusive contract. That's what, that's what happened with, with Kovalev and fucking Adonis Stevenson, where people were saying Adonis is ducking so-and-so Kovalev's ducking so-and-so or whatever. Bro, don't bring that up, man. That's going to hurt me. Cause I was going to, I was going to work that fight. I, I, I even like, I had worked all the, all the Steven, I'm not to, not to be off track really quick, but like I had worked all the Adonis Stevenson fights like ringside, same thing with Kovalev fights. Like I was in Montreal so much that I probably could have got myself an apartment out there at that point. And beautiful city, by the way. And, you know, all of a sudden, like you said, men, you know, they like main events and well, I think Stevenson first like signed up with PBC or something like that. Right. And the main events was like, Oh, you know, we're, we're HBO guy or we're, we're signed with HBO. There's no way we can do this. Even though, even though Perno Whitaker moved, you know, went across the street to fight Julio Cesar Chavez on Showtime pay-per-view back in the day. And who was Perno Whitaker um, promoted by? Main events. So Well, and and that was the whole thing was they're trying to portray it as something that it wasn't. 
And they were saying like, well, Adonis Stevenson is the one with the problem because they're saying that he can't fight on HBO. And it was like, no, it's both ways because you're saying he can't fight there. So it's, it's the same, you know, blah, 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 you know, and that's the, that shit was a really unfortunate fucking miss because that was a hot fight for like two straight years. And they just did. Oh man, that was the fight to make. That would have been awesome. Yeah. And, and then they were building it, man. When you had them, like when you had them um, showcased on the same card, I'm not going to say it. Obviously the star power is completely different, but it's, you can compare it to like, you know, when Mike Tyson and George Foreman shared the dual bill um, in 1990, you know what I mean? With the intention that they were going to fight each other soon after that. That's when Kovalev fought, um, when Col- back in when, when uh, Stevenson fought Tony Bellew and Kovalev uh, knocked the shit out of um Was that Silah? Silah, yeah. Yeah. Well, at that, that one's always going to produce a funny memory for me because I actually thought Salak had a chance to win that fight. And I was telling all the He's HBO... He's a really good amateur. He was. And I was telling all the HBO people about it too. And, <laughs> you know, we all have... During the fight, like, Salak got no- knocked out right in front of me. And I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, but, like, Salak gets knocked out in front of me. And then on the on the, on the the headphones, one of the, the, the HBO producer that had won, he goes, nice pick, Aris. And everyone starts <laughs> laughing at us. <laughs> laughing at unison on the headsets together. <laughs> You're like, oh fuck! This yeah. fool's like staring you in the eyes, and you're like, Jesus Glassy Christ. just laying there, drool coming down his face, and I'm staring at him. They're like, nice job, Harris. Man, yeah, he got blasted. That was awful. Bad. But, I'll but yeah, dude, you know. over him going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I and they had some history too, and come to find out after Kovalev's fall from grace, it sounded like he had said some racist shit to Sila or about Sila. But anyway. We won't delve too fucking far nah, into that goddamn shit. But in any case, Canelo flattened Kovalev. So. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Yeah, that was extremely memorable. I'll give you that. The weight. Oh, them, yeah. There were so many memes from that night, and then fucking, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just a prime example of good old DAZN. They really waited for the UFC main event to end. Yeah, they... what a what a fucking I can't even imagine what was going through Canelo's head. Oh, just that. please go ahead and go right before us. What a yeah. yeah, what a fucking oh my god, dude. Anyway, yeah, it's just really it's I'm happy though like uh, if that uh if that is true about Golovkin being uh, a free agent and him being able to go wherever. Look, dude, I don't think that he looked straight up like shot last night. Uh, no, especially give, given the last half of the fight where he turned That's it up saying, totally and and Canelo it wasn't like it was still high level stuff it wasn't like Canelo shat the bed himself and absolutely looked like shit and Golovkin couldn't do anything Canelo was turning away his attacks you know he was he was stepping it up himself and so it was a good version of Canelo and he and Golovkin didn't look like hell I thought he still looked like a, the kind of fighter who could be viable assuming he can still make 160 pounds there are some fights there for him, or at the very least, there's some, there's still something there left for him to do. Uh, so, I mean, you know, they're talking, they're joking last night about trying to make uh, Canelo Andre or even Golovkin Andre. Oh, I don't know what the fuck anybody's talking about with that noise, but whatever, bro. Um, you fight with nobody. I mean, look, like there, there's Charlo, if um, Eubank Jr. comes out unscathed in October. <laughs> against um connor ben which in my in my opinion i honestly think ben's gonna smoke him but i'm sure we'll do a preview on that eventually of something talking about that rivalry um 
And so there's other lucrative fights that don't involve Demetrius Andre. As much as Chris Mannix, not if you, uh, yeah, not if you. Chris Mannix wants to like you know obsess. Not on if you ask and, Chris Mannix and, and his little pyramid scheme of him and Charlo and going around the, the in circles of what they've talked about over the years. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're gonna be at that fight selling Avon products. I think if that fight actually got made, his head would that would explode. But anyways, um, you like, I mean, you know, the the, the thing is. Golovkin is the money man at 160, in my opinion, still. And um, isn't isn't he still sponsored by Nike? Like he's still he's still. I don't know, man. I was actually wondering about that because usually, and look, I'm no expert on sponsorships and how you can and if you're supposed to be if you're supposed to wear their gear 24 seven. You know what I mean? But like the last few times I've seen his photos, he's not rocking Air Jordans. He's Mm -hmm. not really rocking the suits that he was the same thing that he was doing back in like when he was sponsored when. Mm He was heavily doing it so i noticed that at least but then again i'm not an expert in terms of like what you can do and what you can't do so i don't know but well that, and- being sponsored being sponsored by uh by jordan was was huge for him that was a huge huge look yeah well and whether he is still or not i mean that would obviously matter. that would yeah. still be massive but he's still very known he's still a big name he's still a hot commodity he's still making a lot of money to get paid he's still okay. getting paid a lot to get to fight and i'm and I'm not saying that necessarily dictates popularity, but I mean, it's it's very difficult to justify those kinds of paydays when somebody's not popular and he is very popular. Well, when we talked about like, the, you know, the, the casual fan base, my day job, um, which I don't talk about often, but like I work at a hedge fund, right? And those people there are all about football and baseball and to a degree basketball and stuff like that. So Highlight. And yeah, yeah, random, you know. Polo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like golf, especially major connect golf. four. No, I'm just <laughs> and um, but when I but they know I'm I work in boxing and other stuff. I don't talk about it a lot, but like when they're oh, what are you doing this week? You know, I'm working. I'm working a fight. Oh, you work in Triple G Canelo? Yeah, like they just know. You know, people like that in general, they know. The the bar I went to the after the fight last night with my buddy just to like decomp, you know, to just to wind down and have a post fight celebration drink. Same thing. Oh man, we were showing the fight. You working the Canelo fight? Oh shit, that's awesome! Like that. Those are the superstars now. That you know they they reach the like, they reach that level that the casual fan yeah. watch it. You know what I mean? And they'll try to show it at a bar if they can find it, afford it, whatever it may be. And most people at least heard the name, even if they're not that familiar with them, and they're not, they can't give you like a career breakdown of them. They've heard yeah. the name. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. It, it, they're they're obviously still very bankable. I mean Canelo, of course, but Golovkin should be going on to assuming assuming he's not just straight up washed, which remains to be seen. You know, we still got to see him come back from this because he took a lot of punches, dude. He he got hit a lot more in that first half than I think we're used to seeing him get hit. Absolutely. And there were a couple moments where like he got hit and he kind of like froze up. You know, like he, he didn't seem hurt so much as that he was just kind of like what the fuck? Like, why am I getting hit with this kind of thing? Like he was almost like, come on, you know, like slap out of it, you know, something. I and... didn't, like, I, I don't want to see Golovkin ever get stopped, man. Look, we, we have these type of, we have these type of things where like, you know, we get attached to certain fighters over the years and all that. And I know Golovkin has his detractors because with all the admiration he's gone over the years, it does get a little much. And you just kind of like, all right. Yeah, it's like oversaturation, like overexposure. You know, like yeah. when you hear Mexican style 10 times a day, you're like, okay, dude, stop. Totally, but totally. But like when you see 
someone like when you see Roy Jones get slept, when you see Bernard Hopkins get knocked out of the ring for his last fight, when you see other, you know, Pacquiao get knocked out, other guys, whatever it may be, like you see different, when I, when I was a kid and seeing Terry Norris get knocked out by Keith Mullins and like all these other things, like when you see your child, when you see like people that you admire and everything finally get beat down and like you realize it's over, it's like, fuck man, you know, I was early in my years of CompuBox, um, I was ringside as a trainee. I wasn't even working this fight, but just training. How cool is that? I was ringside for Kalzaki Roy Jones. And um, you, you, you got know. to see Kalzaki do his little. Yeah. His little and, you know, and like, look, man, I, like I was telling my buddy last night, man, I'm not going to say I was the biggest Roy Jones fan growing up, but I respected the shit out of him and knew I was watching something like, you know, on you, like something that was completely unnatural. He was the Michael Jordan of boxing. And to see the guy that I considered like a Superman to myself of, of boxing as a kid, just getting clowned, beat up, worked, bloodied. Yeah, dude, know, it's like, like watching Jordan getting dunked on while he's on the Wizards or something. Yeah, sort. man, and I'm not going to say it didn't bother me. I was just kind of disturbed by it. I was like, bro, what is this? Like, you know, that was my whole, like, my whole childhood was kind of like disturbed by it. I was like, what am I watching here? See, like you said, Kalzaki, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, Roy, do something, please. <laughs> don't let him, don't let him fucking clown you like that, Roy. What are you doing? Yeah, you know, I was like, what are you doing, man? Go back to being Superman. God damn it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so do the fighting cock move. Come lane, on, bro. There was a few moments. What I'm getting at is that there was a few moments in that fight with Golovkin that, like you said, in the earlier rounds, when I saw him back up, when he looked a little just bedazzled, befuddled, everything. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, it, but. To his, to his credit, though, yeah. he came back, man. He's a, he's a different beast. Both of these guys are locks for the Hall of Fame. Um, I think they realized after this fight that they made history together, that they um, – even though I, I wouldn't say that the trilogy, in terms of action, holds up with some of the all-time great ones, but they do – they have earned their place in history for what they – Of course. They with the trilogy, obviously, so. Yeah. Like, they were they were intense – in moments yeah. but it wasn't like sustained action it wasn't no no you know when you like know. people it was a lot of people uh, um a lot of people in the media this past week they were like ranking their best trilogies and all that and obviously one of my favorite ones and i'm sure i think one of your favorites as well pat um dennis andres jeff harding oh hell yeah is, is missing off the list of everybody's but um like a like a trilogy like that in terms of sustained action and just the way it was that's a better one than what we got with Canelo and Triple G, but so you know it's a trilogy nobody ever talks about. Pretty much nobody, which sucks. Banky Zaragoza, dude. That's oh, a fucking. Yes. Oh my god, good call. Why wow. the fuck is nobody ever talking about that shit, dude? Goes out. It's like so. Like what a good. Oh my god, all of those were awesome. I think fights. I think two of the three, if not all three, were fought at the Forum in Inglewood. It's like, come on, bro. And they were all really good fights too. So anyway. Yeah, man. Dude, it's it sucks that nobody brings those up. Yeah, Paul Banky. Um, well, you know what's crazy too is that I was like going through. I found a stack of like old magazines in one of my. Dude, I'm such a hoarder in my apartment. I found a stack of old magazines I completely forgot about, and one of them had an article about when Banky just got diagnosed with AIDS, HIV/AIDS, in the um, probably around the same time around. He got diagnosed before Tommy Morrison, so it was around 94, 95, and they were like, it was almost like a death letter. In that magazine saying you know pray for him blah, blah, blah. he's still alive he's still 
by all accounts. Yeah, obviously, we've cool. learned so much in the last, you know, 20, yeah, 30 man. years. Yeah, Lefton, bro. That's, you know, for a guy, if you knew his story yeah. and what the he, hell he went through. Yeah, he was, he was a very troubled young man, for sure. And he uh-huh. literally had to get sequestered at a ranch for troubled young men who trained boxing, <laughs> you know, like way off in the fucking hills because it, he was getting in so much trouble, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's that was an incredible oh, trilogy. That was really one. That's awesome. Yeah. And they're all on YouTube too. Like they're all right up there, easy to watch, good watch. Um, but yeah, you know, that was, I have to say, uh, I've, over the years, there have been things that I've disliked Canelo for. Uh, I don't, I'm not buying the clenbuterol fucking excuse about the meat. Like, you know, I think that that's pretty fucking shady. I think that waiting on Golovkin for this entire thing, while I understand the pettiness and being spiteful, I think is still pretty weak. Um, I also think that he's had most of his career for the most part handed to him on a silver platter in terms of being able to choose. Although I do obviously, uh, acknowledge that he's put in the work. He's put in a lot of work, and he's a very hard worker and and sure. trained. So he's not like he's just being given everything. However, you know you can't deny that he's been very privileged in that regard. Yes. Um. So I mean, like, there's things that I haven't liked him for, and then like we were talking about earlier for Golovkin, I think that it's just overexposure, oversaturation. Like, I got sick of hearing the same fucking shit. Okay, bro, I know you're gonna say Mexican style after every fight, and you're gonna say good boy. I know you're going to say, you know, like I, I already get the memes and the tropes and they're funny the first couple times, but now you're pressing uh, on it and you're you kind of like classic days of that. <laughs> like you're, you're not acknowledging now that you've done it too much. You need to move on to something new and get a new gimmick, but they wouldn't, they were just like kind of pressing that fucking button. So yeah, there are things that for both of them, I haven't liked and have gotten annoyed by. And so this trilogy almost came to be for me, it was like, well, whoever wins this trilogy, it doesn't affect me because I'm not a massive fan of either guy to the point where it's like, I need him to win. I need this person to win. It, I just wanted it to be good. And luckily the trilogy was pretty good, but I will have to say it was a cool moment at the end of the fight where they both kind of seemed to like, instead of being pissed at each other, they were like, all right. Yeah. Hi, you know, like, okay. And, and they brought it in. To his credit, who has always been bitter after each, after the first and second fight, and rightfully so, don't get me wrong, um, seemed like he was content with everything. So, um, yeah. well, you know, with all that being said, well, we've talked a lot about Golovkin and his future. Where, um, what about Canelo? It's a good question, dude. Um, he's still not a big fighter. Like, I mean, in stature, in terms of height, he's like. I think he's still like, he's like two inches, three inches shorter than I am. And I'm not like that tall. Um, well, my you know. buddy, well, um, my buddy has with me yesterday. He's, he, you know, he's around Canelo's height. Um, I think he's been around Canelo for very, you know, um, oh, at one point or another. And he told me too, when he was next to him, they're around the same height. So Canelo is what, like five, eight ish or so five, seven, and a half, five, eight. Yeah, he's like five eight or something ish. Like so, when Mannix asked him after the fight, he was like, "Oh, you know, do you want to like write that wrong against Bevel?" And obviously, that's what he wants to do. And again, man, like what from what I watched last night, it, nothing. Even though he decisively beat uh, Triple G, it didn't uh, convince me that he was going to be be able to beat Bevel if they had to, if, you know, when they fought a rematch. If anything, yeah. it made me think that Bevel was going to beat him even more convincingly. Yeah, to me, um, yeah, I agree. Um, I think that none of Canelo's big options 
are options that are very attractive <laughs> in terms of risk reward, in my opinion. Uh, while I think that he that David Benavidez is beatable for him for sure, uh, many people seem to think that David Benavidez has got the fucking poison. You know, like he's got what you know, he's got the fucking antidote or whatever to whatever Canelo has got. Fast hands, man, but it's not like anything Canelo hasn't seen before. Now nah, he's he can be fairly inconsistent himself. He's been fairly uh, 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 not unmotivated, but undisciplined. Um, and, and on top of that, he seems to also have kind of fallen a little bit into this cycle of waiting on Canelo. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, everybody, everybody, like, what does he say? Payday, payday, payday. Everybody wants payday. <laughs> and it's true. Like he yeah. says it in an annoying way and it's kind of dumb that he acknowledges that, but at the same time, it's, it's true. He's right though, man. Like Canelo is, is, is in the Floyd seat when you think about it. Right. You know? When you become everybody, a gravitational force. Yeah when everybody, everything around you changes everybody wanted that floyd payday everybody was praying hoping and praying hey did i beat that right opponent that's gonna get me that, boy, that yeah. floyd yeah from people <laughs> like three fucking weight classes away yeah. down to the people who on box record like you know at the top 250 like calling out it's my turn now i'm four and oh even when now it's my turn it's like what who are you who was the dude that knocked out that uh willie willie something that knocked out um that knocked out uh, the dude that beat Charlo from Detroit. Oh, um, Tony, Tony, Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison, yeah. Willie, Willie, who was it? Willie Get Up. No, I'm just kidding. I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, Willie, I forgot his last name, but he even called out Floyd after I knocked. He was like, "Hey, man, he was like, I'll throw my name in the mix." The Floyd wants to beat like everybody wanted. So, like, you know how many people were lined up to fight? It's Bird like people calling out Jake like, Paul now. You know, it's like everybody. Yeah, totally. But you know, like imagine that line that was wrapped around the block to fight Birdo because that seemed like the easy route to get Mayweather for some reason. <laughs> but, yeah, um, no, for a couple of years there, it was. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. So until Birdo actually got that opportunity out of nowhere, but um, <laughs> that was yeah, that was I didn't I wasn't understanding that fight at all. I don't think I ever did. No but did, man, that was very odd time. But. Uh, yeah, everybody wants that Canelo payday, and rightfully so, because look at look at the uh, the fucking um, purse purses of last night. Canelo made forty five million or so. Triple G made uh, over twenty million. Right? That's insane. Me and my friend were talking about that last night. Insane when you think about that, dude. They're even talking about like actors and actresses and shit like that, like people who are in movies. When people get paid that kind of money in a movie, it's like mind blowing. They're just yeah. like they go on a short list of like, here's the actors who have made more than 20, 20 uh, million in a movie. And it's like a really short fucking list. Like there are not very many at all. But I then made 20 million, I'm not doing anything else in my life like that, man. I'm retired. Yeah, dude, you're set. Yes. Like, I mean, assuming you're not an idiot, <laughs> you know, buy <laughs> fleets of cars and shit, like you're set. No, I'm just buying myself a really nice place and I'm chilling. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. much much after that well people do <laughs> um, want that payday so yeah it makes sense dude um but you know a lot of people feel like benavidez is going to be that dude to beat him i'm not so sure however point being like i said risk reward he's a tall guy canelo's not big he see uh benavidez seems like he cuts a fair amount of weight to get to 168 pounds uh he's been hungry for that fight and i think that that's a dangerous fight for those reasons going after a bivol rematch obviously a dangerous fight for several several reasons and i agree with you nothing i saw last night makes me feel that in a 12 round fight 
Canelo is going to beat Bivol. It makes it makes me feel like he's going to have to unload and either hurt Bivol or knock him out early on in order to take that win because Bivol clearly has a style that's going to be a really and the height and whatnot to to really offset what Canelo is doing. So I think that. Uh, he has some thinking to do. He's obviously going to have to recover if he really does have a messed up left hand and is going to have to have surgery. He does deserve a longer break. He deserves yeah, some time off next year. Yeah. He deserves some time off, dude. Like I was, I was surprised that he was coming back this uh, coming back to face Golovkin when he was now. So in any case, yeah, I think that he has some thinking to do, but I would personally like to see him stay at 168. So would I. Absolutely, man. I would love to see the Benavides fight, even though um, it didn't seem to be, how would I say, um, uh, you know, very convincing after the fight when he was like talking and there was an interview and he mentioned that he said, you know, they mentioned David Benavides and he said uh, something to the effect of what the fuck has he done or something like that. He was like, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't really won anything like this. He doesn't really deserve a shot. I think he's more concerned and more, you know, dead, like focused on Bevel because Bevel gave him that L. He knows he can't get the Floyd again. That was a long time ago. I think he's accepted it. He was young, whatever it is. That was a long time ago. You know, it was probably like, what was that, a decade or so already? So Bevel was a more recent one. He's a complete fighter. He feels he's still the best in the world. And he feels that he had an off night with that one. Bevel, again such you know i mean you got to respect it you know like but it's I, a I bad idea it. i really really respect it, man good moxie on him wanting to do that but that's where i think he's going to go for this one after that even though he's still the super middleweight champion i think he always feels that because like you said with his size that he could easily move back down to 168 and not worry about it as opposed to going to 175 you know what i mean because he's not going to weigh at 175 i don't think he'll always weigh a little bit below that and in the hind end of that too, when you know we were talking about Canelo kind of waiting out Golovkin a little bit, and that possibly being strategy, the hind end of that too is the possibility of Surdo uh, Ramirez doing some damage to Bivol in the meantime, maybe softening him up for Canelo. So I mean, yeah, man, that's a big fight coming up too. Absolutely, honestly, yeah. that's that could be a smart move on Canelo's part because Surdo. I I mean, I don't really think Ramirez is the guy to beat Bivol. But he he is uh you know he is a tough fighter he is going to be in there I don't think he's going to be easy to get rid of and so he, he might you know give well, Bivol some work. motivated for this fight this is a fight that he's been pursuing for a long time um the location well we've talked about that in previous shows when money talks you know location walks and um well I'm just glad that we're getting it and this will um, produce. Probably whoever wins this fight, yeah, is going to produce the number one viable fighter that Canelo will fight. Exactly. If it is Ramirez, well, Canelo's already gone on the record saying he doesn't like to fight his own countryman or whatever it is. But, like, Bevel, and it's such a goofy statement to say, too, because you can't say that, like... I think know, if they put money on the table, he'd fucking fight him, but... Absolutely, too, man, especially... Yeah, that's too, a weird like, thing Julio to say, Cesar bro. Is, but, you know, Jose Luis Ramirez, those guys were practically best friends. Um, Ruben Oliveira is going through his round robin fighting Jesus Pimentel and fighting, you know, um, uh, the dude that beat him for the Chucho, Chucho Castillo and other yeah. ones like, you know, get out of here with that stuff. Anyways, let, you know, there's talks about that, but like, I think Bevel is the one that he really wants to go for. And if he was able to beat Bevel again, if he was able to beat, excuse me again, if he was able to beat Bevel in a rematch somehow, then he obviously would be elevated to be the top guy. And then either at that point, 
he would wait for someone like I hate to say it, but like Spence has always made rumblings about moving up to try to challenge him one day or something like that. Or he would even talk about moving to heavyweight. So God only knows. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, it's wild shit, dude. But I mean, you know, they're he's still young, but I think we're at that point now where he's if he's not in his prime, he's like at that point where he's on it and about to move past it slightly. And we're going to see where he goes with this other part of his career. But yeah, with this injury and everything, it's going to be interesting to see where he has to move on with it. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a lot of probabilities with him. Triple G, we know he's going back down to middleweight. We see the options of, um, of available opponents for him. Canelo, it's, it's more diverse. You know what I mean? There's, he has different things to go for after Bivola, of course. So. Yeah. And well, and I think that also the possibility of him having a second loss to Bivol, I think that we've already seen, thankfully, that Canelo is mentally resilient enough that he came back from that loss and he's, yeah. he made his peace with it, or at least enough that he defeated yeah. Golovkin uh, soundly. But, a, and so I think that a second loss, I don't think it would like wreck him unless he got really fucked up. But and that is a possibility because he was getting hurt in that uh, late in that first fight, but um, or at least looked really tired. Point being, a second loss, unless he got really messed up, I don't think that would really hurt him mentally either. But it's just, yeah, I just <laughs> I get it. Like I said earlier, I got to admire it, but I just think it's a bad bad idea. Either way, that Shane Mosley mentality, man, like. Yeah, Mostly like yeah, I need to get back at Vernon Forest, but it's like no, you don't. Same thing with Winky Wright. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. You don't need to get right back in there with him. I respect that you want that, but you shouldn't do. You that. can make the fight a little bit closer, but like even though Mosley, you know, caught a few L's, everybody remembers him fondly because he always took that challenge and always would jump. True. Back in here, so, and that's the trade-off. Yeah, but it, at the very least, I think there are options for both fighters, and that's good. It, this didn't ruin either fighter; they're still both popular, and we still should have both around. Oh. Um, but you know, it, I I was hoping for more <laughs> a, a more robust undercard, which we always are when it comes to pay per views, and we almost never get them. But the the a co main event, the co feature, whatever you want to call it. It was a much better fight than I expected it to be and than I thought it would be oh, when we were talking about it on the preview, which I'm definitely very thankful for. Uh, we got to see a young Jesse Bam Rodriguez defeat Israel Gonzalez. Um, you know, I I thought that it, at the very least, one of those scores, what was it, 118, 109? Yeah, that was that was nah, really good. That, that was Even good. 117, 110 is kind of is kind of tough to buy. Um, it was a pretty close fight. Israel Gonzalez gave him a lot more work than I thought Bam Bam Rodriguez was going to get. We were talking about this before we started recording, dude. You know, Bam Rodriguez had a really busy year. Um, he's young, and he's been through a lot in a fairly short period of time, and it's possible that he might need a little bit of a break, even if he did win especially, that fight last night. Especially being at his size, man. He's still a small guy in the division he's in, even though he's a world champion. Like, think about it, right? You know, he came in as a, as a late replacement to fight Carlos Quadras. Uh, for the vacant, um, for the vacant strap, came in, won that fight really, really impressively as well. You know that highlight reel of him pulling the Orlando Condizales angle when he lands that uppercut to drop Quadras, so it's ingrained in everyone's mind. But um, in my mind, I think he's the 2022 fighter of the year so far. Like he's had a beautiful year, man. He beat Quadras, and then after that, he fights a you know Sarung beside the Rat King who, you know, holds two, uh, two wins over Chocolate Tito and just one of the baddest of the badasses of that era. 
and that was a you know that was um a breakout fight for him i worked that fight too i was counting um sarung beside for that fight and um you know not only did bam like put on a beautiful show he went through adversity like i said like we both said he's a smaller guy for that division and sarung beside and not only is he a strong guy he's just built man like most tie fighters with those strong calves just a really strong brutish type yeah, guy dude who, just a piece of concrete absolutely and you can't hurt them you know what i mean everything you throw at them you hit them with they keep on coming look at all the amount of punches chocolatito um hit so wrong beside within their first fight and even had him running in the last round but like still the guy like he just never really went down and bam's was real that was a beautiful performance, man. Everything that he threw, he kept on going and going and going. And it kept on elevating. As Rungfasai got a little bit stronger and threw more, Bam kept on elevating himself before he finally broke him down and stopped him. And that was a star-making performance. Like, everybody was ready to annoy him, as they should. But you got to realize, too, man, he did take some, you know, punishment in that fight. He took punishment in the Quadras fight as well. And these are guys that are naturally bigger than him and stronger than him when you think about it physically. And... um even though he's like a young kid, like, you know, you might like, I'm not going to, like, I don't want to say style wise, but like you can compare him also like Fernando Vargas in terms of like, you know, being young and going through the ringer with these, you know, really, really tough fights because eventually they might hit the wall. And last night, bam, with a guy that was more unheralded, obviously much more than Quadras and especially short run beside, I wouldn't say he hit the wall, but he struggled a little bit. You know, this is the first fight that you could see, you know, he was like, it's been a rough year for him, for a guy, especially in the division that he's kind of debuted in. He's undersized and he's fighting type quality um, competition. Yeah, man, it was a tough fight for him. Yeah, it was far tougher than I thought uh, it would be. Gonzalez, like you'd said, he came in with the right strategy. Like he really kind of made the most out of his performance and was doing really well early on. He kept doing this thing where uh, it almost looked like just a really old school kind of maneuver, even though it was really simple and it's not old school. It's just anybody could do it. But, um, you know, it was the orthodox versus southpaw. And instead of trying to like do the um, the normal thing that I guess is taught against if you're an orthodox fighter against a southpaw, you know, you do a lead right hand where you use your jab a lot. And he was using his jab, but one of the things he was trying to do was walk bam rodriguez into this weird right uppercut into the body and he kept landing it was like more to almost his chest like his like uh, like solar plexus area and he kept throwing it like just over and over and over and you know the angle and because bam rodriguez is always looking to attack in a very offensive minded fighter was walking right into it and it was almost like he didn't really seem to know what to do for a little bit and obviously he got going he started catching up kind of midway through the fight and started kind of started laying the wood on gonzalez in a few rounds there and gonzalez you could tell was like oh shit i better do something and he did he also adjusted it was a really good technical fight um the scores in my opinion didn't really reflect the difficulty of it and overall it's always the case <laughs> yeah dude i mean it's it's unfortunately we can't depend on that but um either way Overall, I think that it was a good fight for Bam Rodriguez in the sense that it gave him adversity. He had to work through, you know, kind of think his way through the fight. He had to uh, find a way to win against the guy who who came to win. And so that's the kind of thing that should help him in the long run, I would imagine. Um, although, like you just said, it was just almost kind of like a third fight in the row where he took 
a decent amount of punches. So uh, you you had said earlier that they're talking about maybe putting him back in again in December. I get it. You know, keep him busy. I, I'm not saying keeping him busy is a bad idea, but also after three fights like that, give him a gimme or just give him another month or two, dude. And like, you know, let him get a good break after the fucking holidays or something because it's it's been a rough year, dude. It's been a tough year for the kid. I mean, it's already September, and say he had won this fight pretty much unscathed, he had stopped, you know, and stopped this guy in like four rounds or so, then I would totally say throw him back in one more time in December just to cap off a spectacular year. And I'm sure that he would probably would, you know, most consensus would agree with that. But this was a taxing fight last night. Like, he he got caught with a lot of punches, you know. It was, it was tough. And the thing that was interesting is that, like, his opponent, what he was doing a lot was that, like, he... He had a jab if he wanted to use it. It was decent, but most of the time, it wasn't so much that he was, like, jabbing. Is that, like, he was just using it as a, like, he was just gauging his speed. Like, he was just, you know, probing, probing, probing. That's not an actual jab. He was probing at that point, just trying to get distance. But like you said, Pat, every time he did that, he would come in, start looping with awkward shots to the body, start looping to the head, other stuff like that. And he was also moving with Bam Rodriguez when, when Bam would start using those angles. You know, like a lot of people have. He was a tricky dude. Very tricky and very crafty. So, like a lot of people compared Bam Rodriguez to um, Orlando Canizales, you know, the uh, incredible Hall of Fame junior um, bantamweight champion from um, Texas, I think, right? Yeah, from Texas. Yeah, 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 from the nineties. And when you watch him, you see the angles that he would throw and uh, stuff like you know, Canizales was incredible. And Rodriguez, same thing. But like I mentioned earlier, that, that knockdown that he scored against Quadras, the way he just kind of leapt to the side, boop, caught him with an uppercut, Quadras goes down, everything like, it's beautiful to see. And so the similarities are there. But if you, like, um, as, as the commentators in one of the rare instances where they were making sense, I think it was Sergio or someone else mentioned it, where if you move with them when they're doing the angles, it kind of becomes, you know, somewhat useless what they're doing. And was it Rodriguez? was you know able to do stuff like that and so like you know bam bam was bam was struggling yeah it it really uh almost kind of like canelo a fighter who's like reliant on that kind of rhythm and the timing and if you're and they're really small things that you can do as an opponent working against that to throw that timing off and to disrupt it with just even just kind of you know fighters get so used to just kind of the same rhythm and the same kind of like one one two three Yep, one, yep. two, three, four, you know, like that type of shit. Whereas if you just vary it up and just, you know, one, 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 you know, like that kind of shit where it's like really stuttery and you use a lot of feints, like that can really throw those kinds of fighters off. And obviously it's easier said than done. I'm just some fucking fat guy sitting here talking about it. But the point being that it can be done and we saw it done last night. You know, Isaiah Gonzalez did a really good job. Um, and it was the kind of performance where I think that he probably earned himself yet another TV shot against, uh, a, you know, a high level fighter with a performance like that. Or perhaps he did just good enough to deter that because now motherfuckers like, nah, I'm not fighting that guy. I don't know. It's tough to say, but I'd I like mean, to I see. The vision, I think that you like, he's, he's definitely in the mix at least. Uh, yeah. Or hopefully for another title shot or I'd like to see him again. Totally. Totally. 
yeah, it was, uh, you know, so beyond that, dude, it wasn't really, like I said, it was unfortunate. It wasn't a uh, very deep card. Austin Williams got a little bit more work than we thought he would against Kieran Conway after opening up looking really good. Um, and Ali Akhmadov, who's in the Golovkin camp and has trained with him somewhat extensively, at least in this camp, uh, he looked pretty good against Gabriel Rosado. I mean, not that Rosado was ever really in the fight whatsoever. It was just that I I, I would have liked to see Akhmadov kind of like, uh, you know, switch gears a little bit more than he did. But it was a very disciplined performance against somebody who not that long ago scored a kind of scary knockout. So I get it. But, you know, uh, yeah, I just I, when you're paying like 85 bucks, I understand the idea that you want a little bit deeper card than that, even if it was it was entertaining. Absolutely, man. Look, we're not talking about the days of, um, you know, Bob Aram pumping Butterbean and Mia St. John, you know, for you guys to pay 65 bucks to watch De La Hoya fight somebody like, you know, Wilfredo, um, Wilfredo Rivera. But like at the same time, I totally get the sentiment, you know. The undercard wasn't really, really strong at that point, you know, and you think, all right, I'm paying this amount of money. Um, why can't I get like a quality card where it's going to be like, you know, world title fights all the way through or something where it's going to be like, you know, top quality, yada, yada, yada. But it's the boxing business. It's the way it goes. It's the way it is. And um, the zone also catches extra flack as well because they're the ones who pushed from the very beginning. Hey, we're not going to be doing paper. We're not going to be doing this and that. You know, where the new way pay-per-view is dead, everything is going to be the same amount. You're just getting getting all this shit into one package of what you pay for the subscription. And early on, it looked like that would be the case. Clearly, that hasn't been the case now. Um, Yeah. Boxing always goes back to what it is. You know what I mean? No matter what, everybody always says that they have a new, um, that they always, that they have a new thing that they're going to like try to, um, you know, flip the script. And oh, don't worry about it. Everything is gonna be different. This you know, this new format is gonna be the future. <laughs> Within, oh, it's, like, oh, it's funded. It's paid yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Within a year and a half, everything goes back to the same format it's always been, tried and true. And we're staying, or the same jaded, pissed off boxing fans who say we're not paying for this shit, and rightfully so. Don't get me wrong, man. If you want to pay for it, you pay for it. If you don't, you don't. I have no qualm, left or right, whatever you want to go with, because each you have a right for it. You know. Yep. Just don't How, try to put your agenda on me. Like, if you're a person who wants to pay for a shit, be like, oh, you don't pay for this. You're not two boxing fans. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Shut up. All right. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to say whether or not something's worthy of my money or not. Like, exactly. I, you're not. Yeah. That has nothing to do with you. But unfortunately, there is a little bit of an elephant in the room that I am going to have to address. And Uh-oh. you don't have to say nothing. I'll take the fucking, I'll absorb it. But, dude, um, straight up like i'm not trying to be biased and i know that i do have a bias in this area but i'm not, i'm trying to set that aside but bro the production was so bad last night it was bad uh the sound like literally i have really good speakers mm-hmm. like and and i like you know i listening to my shit you know surround sound whatever and my speakers were like the entire time and i was like yo what is I adjusted my speakers. I even went into my computer and like started fucking looking at the audio and taking recordings of the audio to make sure it's not my own computer. And like, is this shit coming from me? No, dude. It was like, and you could tell because as soon as they went to Diamante or anybody else on the mic, their mic was cutting in and out, all this type of shit. And I was like, oh no, this is DAZN's audio. I don't know what's going on. 
I'm not a fucking expert, never worked in production like that. So I can't say, all I know is that my speakers were hating life last night, bro. And my ears weren't liking it a whole lot much better either. And in any case, that coupled with just these kind of the weird stuff that DAZN goes through on some of these shows where they're like clearly out of time and they don't, ha- they're trying to look for time to kill is like, I'm, I'm not a huge fan, dude. I'm just not a huge fan at all. Uh, and I wish that we're a little bit more polished for the price. And then that's one of the reasons why when they're talking about doing joint pay-per-views with DAZN, I was just like, no, that makes no sense because these other entities have far more experience pulling off pay-per-views and doing this production in a far more polished way. And some fans don't give a fuck. They're going to watch the fight and they don't care about the production. Some people do. And it also uh, gives an air of prof- professionalism when the when it's far snappier, far cleaner, and whatever. Like I said, I don't want to go on a big rant. It was just, it was not the best last night. And it was really unfortunate, dude, because that's like, if not our sport's biggest star in Canelo, it's one of the top two stars in the sport, probably now the biggest uh, star in the sport. And to see it handled that way, and on a card that's like not super great. It's unfortunate, dude. It's just not what I want to see and definitely not what I want to hear. Ozicky. Totally, totally, man. And like, you know, I think the spacing and this has been a, it's been an ongoing thing for most pay-per-view cards. Like they, well, especially when they have the main view, the main view, excuse me, the main event scheduled for a specific time. So like if you have the main event scheduled, oh, can't go any earlier than 1130 PM or something like that. If all the if all the preliminary fights end really early, you just have all this downtime instead of just pushing the main event really early and everybody can go home happy, whatever it may be. No, we have to sit there and we have to like go through all these different scenarios, all these different interviews, story packages, all kinds of other different shit. And, oh, and you could always tell too, because you hear like and it's like they pan back out and there's this camera and dude sitting there and they're like, So tell me. Uh, when we're talking, and it's like, dude, I'm the master of bullshitting, and I know when you're bullshitting, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, this like I think the most um glaring example might have been uh, De La Hoya Pacquiao, because remember all those early preliminary fights ended literally just within a round. Oh, yeah, that was painful. That was one of the most horrific undercards ever, aside from like when Bob Aaron would push sideshow acts. But like when you would have, <clears throat> when you you know when you had that fight, I think the uh the the main fight before De La Hoya Pacquiao was Victor Ortiz against Jeffrey Resto. And that fight ended after a round and a half. And it was still like 10 PM or something. Like it was some stupid time. Like it was really early and everyone just kind of like, um, so now what? <laughs> like they really had to kill time for all that type of stuff. And that gets really, really bad. You know what I mean? Or Jeff it's- Resto. It's like years after getting embarrassed by Carlos Mouse on ESPN poor guy yeah 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 don magic man magic getting embarrassed by don flamenco <laughs> with the yeah at least he didn't at least he didn't get him with the nail in the coffin punch like he did viv harris though <laughs> with the older one <laughs> but like I, I totally get what you mean man it, it's it's tough bro and like with people um complaining and griping about what they have to pay for and what's going on especially with the quality of fights and all that it's it's justified and it and it should be and that's something that um, the average fan has to deal with since pay-per-view has been, you know, in its, in its uh, inception. Yeah. When stuff looks and sounds cheap, 
it's just the way it comes off, dude. And yeah. anyway, that's all. So it's it was unfortunate for that to, but that's that wasn't even like the main takeaway for me. I I appreciated the fight, and I definitely am uh, appreciative that the trilogy is closed out in like a you know, in, in a way where we get closure, in a way where like you know there was a definitive ending at least seemed that way. And they so seem calm. That's the main thing, man. They both seem content with what happened. Thank God. And I didn't, at least I didn't hear or see anyone uh, reacting like they felt they were ripped off or anything like that. At least I didn't. So it seemed to me like, no, for, at mean, least like for the main event, was, people were like, okay. It, it was, it either seemed like, well, you paid what you got for, like you should have expected this or, oh yeah, it was a good fight. Like most people, when they like the casual fan, when they pay for a fight, I don't know what they're expecting or anything like that. But like, I think they're going to get out of it. Okay. I paid for this. The fight happened. They just move on from it. They don't think anything of it. And when the next major fight happens, they'll pay for it too to have a party. Yeah, it's it's us watching the undercard. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and that's a good point too. You know, I, I think for the most part, people got what they wanted out of the fight card. And, and also I will say, I'll, I just want to do a quick shout out also to PPV.com who was showing the fight. There was oh, a yeah. chat, uh, you know, Eddie Pulin Sotelo did a great job. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, that was I've, really I've cool. Been, I've, I've uh, joined you on those chats. That's actually. true. Yeah. For your admin, and they've been a lot of fun. So definitely. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but I guess if you've ever been on Twitter during fights, it's pretty similar. You know, people chatting during cool. fights and stuff like that. I mean, but it's a bunch of fans getting together and just talking bullshit about boxing and during a big pay per view show. So it's awesome. Well, dude, after after an intense night of work, counting punches for you, dude. I appreciate you hopping on and talking some shop, bro. It's a good time. Yeah, man, I'm feeling good. Feeling like it was a successful night. On to the next one. And um, like we said, man, we finally got a uh, definitive end to this trilogy. And um, yeah, next to the next fight. For sure. And also later on, I'm sure later on this week, we, we got, we've got some history shit cooking up. We'll, we'll do another show, some, some history stuff. You know, We can't just do contemporary. People, man, who was your favorite guy that you thought was going to be a major, major star in the sport that was a big bust? That's the next subject. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, you might want to might want to think about that a little bit. Hell yeah. Get that into mind. No, do I? I appreciate it for sure. Um, good, you know, overall a good card, enjoyable card, and everybody who listened into this, look, we appreciate you. We really do, especially uh, coming in hot the next day with our recap. Thanks so much if you listened in via the podcast apps. Go ahead, subscribe, and leave us a message there if you would. A comment if you watched. Thank you so much. And subscribe on YouTube. Uh, also leave a reply. A lot of people have been leaving replies lately, which I really appreciate. I need to go reply to some of those as well, actually. But uh, Knuckles and Gloves podcast is also on social media, the usual social media like Facebook and Instagram, but also we're on Twitter and individually too. We are on Twitter. My boy Eris here is on Twitter as Punch Zone Eris. Me, Patrick Connor, I'm there as Patrick M. Connor. So go ahead and interact. Say hi. Eris, I'll talk to you soon, bro. Have a good one, everyone. Later, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.